We're live. Coachability Podcast with Coach Neil. Coach Kel, where we're about to get a little bit smarter, a little bit stronger, and a little bit richer today. Let's get it. All right, you guys. Today we have David Temple, author, filmmaker, and 27 years in radio. I can't wait for you to hear this voice. It's magical. All right. We're going to talk about writing and how that also relates to programming as a coach. I'm excited. Let's dive in. All right, Dave. So we always do a rapid fire question of the day. Are you ready for yours? Yes, sir. Okay. What is your favorite movie? Uh, Field of Dreams. Field of I didn't see that coming. Field yeah. of Dreams. Why, why Field of Dreams? Uh, two things. It's, it's all that is the essence of Americana. It's baseball. It's farming. It's a it's the underdog guy who wins in the end yeah. amidst all the problems. You've got the father son relationship going in there. And, strong. And I've seen that movie ten times, and every single time when Kevin Costner turns, Dad, you want to pitch? I lose my shit every time. <laughs> Hold on, do, do you guys have tempers? I've uh, never seen the movie. Unbelievable. Uh, I'm going to have to go. uh, Listen, this was really good. Guys, I love baseball. uh, Excuse me, football and basketball. I'm not sure if I can relate to a baseball Field of Dreams. What is that? uh, Angels in the Outfield? Is that that the movie we're talking about? Unbelievable. Dude, it's so rich with metaphor. I mean, it's about baseball, but it's so rich with metaphor. Speaking of voices, who's who's the guy... James Earl Jones. Oh, my goodness. James Earl Jones. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. I'll watch it. Oh, man. Okay, so, Dave, we got to dive in, and I, I first want to ask you about radio. How would you get involved in radio? And first, could you hit us with, like, a radio intro? It's 7.20, 20 minutes after 7 o'clock, and today's show is all about getting with it. Oh, <laughs> my Gosh, <laughs> it's so good. I feel like talking like this now, yeah, right? I can't match that. How'd you get started in radio? Did someone seek you out for that voice? You know what? My voice started changing in sixth grade uh, when all my classmates were, "Hey, Mister Mister Haney, can I go to the classroom?" <laughs> you know, my voice is like, uh, "Professor, I've got to go take a leak." Yeah, <laughs> who's the adult in the room? Right? Oh, totally. So I, I knew soon that I was going to have to do something with it. My dad had a beautiful voice as well. So I started, you know, emceeing uh, basketball games. I would go give morning announcements, anything to get on a microphone. And with time, I just said, you know what? If I can talk off the top of my head and I got a good voice and you can get chicks, I want to be in radio. Absolutely. Did you, so you recognized that you had the voice? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I knew I was different. I mean, I was a geek, but the voice was just booming in like sixth, seventh grade. Did you try singing? Actually, I got a four-year full scholarship to sing through college. Yeah. So, oh, hold on. I know. Wait, I never quite, <laughs> choir individual. What's, Basically, how do you I get a scholarship a, for singing? Well, I went to a Christian college, and the pastor of the church heard me doing a play. You might know the guy, uh, Jerry Falwell. And he said, if you'll come sing for me for one year, I'll give you a full scholarship. Stop. Off the voice. This guy's the chosen one. Yeah. It was pretty wild. So is that, that's what you went and did? I did it. I did it for a year. 
And then you got your scholarship and you're good to go. Yeah. And then uh, I just started pursuing radio. Not once did anyone come up to me like, Kel, you give us one year, we'll give you four Mm-mm. in anything. Never. <laughs> Way to seize the opportunity. Okay. So you go sing in college. When does, when does radio come into play? So I'm coming up on graduation and I'm like, I really... I knew early on, I remember sitting in my living room, this was early, I was still in high school, maybe junior high, and TV came on, this is about the time my voice is changing, and you know, the NBC movie of the week, sponsored by, and I heard that and I'm like, that's me, I'm, I, that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> and I turned to my parents, I'll never forget this, and I said, that's what I wanna do, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in radio and I'm gonna do voiceover work. What age was that? I had to be 15, That's 16. amazing. Yeah. And so then, when I graduated, I'm like, I'm out. I'm doing it. And I just, I took any job I could get, yeah. which was at an AM station, morning show. No one was listening. It was beautiful music. Franti and Teicher, you, you wouldn't know them. And I think there were three people listening, mom, dad, and me. Yeah. It was, that was it. What, I've heard this, like uh, some of my sports radio guys I listen to say Jim Rome and stuff, like just putting in the, the hours on the, the graveyard radio shift. Absolutely. And that's just where they built their shows. They find stuff that people are also listening to because it's a silly game that they're doing with their audience or whatever it sure. is. But like you really take your licks in radio. It's not pretty early on. And then I went, uh, then as soon as I mastered it or began to master yeah. it, I went, okay, where's the next station in town? What's the number one station in town where I can get my foot in the door? And that was an AM station. It was top 40 and news talk simultaneously. And I walked into that guy and I said, I'll take any show you give me. I don't care what it is. I don't care what you're paying. And I got it. I went and I, cause I knew I kind of had a gift. And I mastered it quickly, and I said, give me the first step-up job you possibly can. And so then I would fill in. And then they're like, oh, this kid's no joke. And then it just, and then as soon as I mastered that, I'm like, I gotta go to FM now. Yeah, sure. Do you know what I see there is confidence. A lot of confidence. Like I I imagine speaking as a profession requires a level of confidence. And you said, I I got good at this early, where's the next job? Exactly. And, And by someone knocking on the door with that type of voice, Where's the next job? Oh, it's right here. We got one for you. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is kind of pivoting a little bit, but Neil and I talk about confidence all the time in our profession and how it's absolutely critical for coaches, but it's so dang tough to teach. And so I'm listening to a podcast the other day and it's talking about how to teach confidence. And the way that they thought to teach it is through repetition. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Do you have any insight on that? Did that... Did you follow the repetition model within radio? Yeah, I'm, I've always, you know me, I, uh, you give me a parameter, we, I've worked out with both of you guys, if you, if you teach me something and I get it, I gotta get it, then I can repeat it and then I will master it. Okay. Because if I want to be good at it, I will master it. I think the key is, the reason people don't succeed or excel is fear. They're just flat out afraid. And if the number one fear in the world is not taxes, it's not even death. You know what it is? Public speaking. Public speaking. And I am convinced that you could give me the worst public speaker and just give me a couple of weeks and I can break you of that because you have to figure out a way to substitute and, and exchange that 
thing in your head that is called fear, and, wh and what do you, uh, just drill down, what are you really afraid of? Well, I'm afraid I won't sound good. We can work on that. I'm afraid uh, I, uh, uh, I uh, uh, will do all those bad crutches that everybody does. Yeah. I can break you of that. Oh, I got mush mouth. I can show you to get around that. Be and, and back to your word about repetition is, you j find, find a place that you can step up in front of one or two people and go, oh, I'm not scared. Step in front of five people, oh, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about this. Then get into a classroom of 15 people, you're gold. You know, dude, one of my favorite things right now about this podcast, and for all you guys listening, I feel so blessed to be able to do it with all these different folks that we bring on, is we learn a ton through this. So Brad, who does uh, high-performance coaching, lifestyle coaching, and leadership, he was talking last week about when you get comfortable in a situation, change the arena, yeah. right? It's kind of what you're talking about. So to build confidence, you guys, you're feeling good where you're at right now? Go change the arena. Challenge yourself a little bit more. Yeah. When I, um, so I went from AM radio, literally was it called a daytimer the day because it would, it would come on in the morning and when the sun went down, the radio would go off. You remember those days, maybe, if you ever listened to AM radio. And Is this I before just, uh, Spotify? <clears throat> thank you. <laughs> okay. And so all I did was I'm like, okay, let me find the number one radio station in the market. What well, was an AM station at the time? Then I'm like, well, I've got to change markets if I'm going to grow. And I just knew that early on that that's the price of admission. So being an FM radio host, once you got there, mm -hmm. did you ever get to chop it up with any cool musicians? Chop it as in play or just to hang out with? Hang out with. I mean, because I've always wondered this. Actually, will you answer me this? So you know on a radio station when it's like, Hey, it's Jay-Z coming at you from, you know, K-Wow in Chicago, wherever. Uh -huh. Are they actually there, or are they just getting doing a little plug? They're just doing a plug. Okay. It's pre-recorded. They were either on the show, and, and they go, Hey, Jay-Z, before you leave, can you just lay this track down for me real sure, quick? Sure, sure. Or, hey, I know you're on your, at, at home. Can you just lay this down on your iPhone and shoot it to me? That's okay. all it is. Okay. Ooh. I was always curious about that. What's the autonomy you had over picking the music? There is... You don't have autonomy in radio. It. It, it, there, it, now, I have always been a rule breaker, which is why I was fired a couple of times. But I <laughs> wow. <laughs> the stern before stern? Yeah. That? You wear that as a badge of honor. You, yeah. you play within the... I mean, look, they have a guy called a program director whose only job is to pick the right music, the hits, or right. what he thinks. So <clears throat> you got to play it, and you got to play it in the order that they want. And you have to enthusiastically speak to it, too. Well, you have to also remember, just like you, I watched you guys out on the floor at Equinox back in the day, uh, and you guys are doing the same in exercises with every person. And I know that you get tired of that. It's true. It's true. You got to, because you're doing the same thing. I watch all you guys, and you always start with the same basics, and you... You know. Well, actually, you know, Neil and I just thrive on the basics. We are, uh, we never get tired of it. <laughs> I love a good goblet squat. <laughs> but my, that's yeah. true. But my point being is you got to change it up. If you, like, if you only do one exercise, can, you, can your muscles really fully grow until you force it? What did you used to call it? We would do that curl bar, and we'd go back and forth in your... Oh, we did a little ladder. Yeah, every once in a while, um, D-Temple and I would get a little arm farm at the end of a session. Yeah. 
you know. Those things would just wicked burn. Yeah, those are great. <laughs> but no, absolutely. It goes back to kind of changing the arena. Yeah. Um, what are you working on now? Books. Books. I mean, I, this is interesting because I'm on what is called my, is this my third act? Just like a play. My first act was radio. I mastered that. My goal, I set my goal back in the days when I knew what I wanted and I used to listen to AM WLS out of Chicago back in grad school. I turned that in. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to be in Chicago one day because I'm a big fan of, I've got to put the goal there because if I, my dad used to say, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Mm. So I always knew I had to aim at something, right? So I'm like, I'm going to be, I'm going to get into at least the top 10 markets. I'm going to get in at least five of the top 10 markets in America before I'm 40. And I was doing that when I was 20, 22. And so when I retired, I had done the five New York, LA, Chicago, Detroit, and Philadelphia of the top 10. And I got out at uh, 39. Well, there you go. Mission accomplished. Aim at nothing, you always hit the target. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Good. So set goals. You set them high. Were they scary when you initially set them? Absolutely. Because yeah. think about this. You're a 22-year-old. Hey, I want to be, I'm going to be in New York radio, man. I'm going to be in New York on the more, number one market in America. And I did it. That babe. Yeah. And I did chop it up with some, um, you were asking, Dwight Yoakam, Rascal Flats before they were who they right, are. Right. Shania Twain, we had her on my show before, right when Come, o Come On Over came yeah. out. Yeah, oh, huge Be hit. Before she... Shania's a babe, too. Yep. Uh, Faith Hill, Tim McGraw. Uh, those uh, Rascal Flats were hilarious. Those were the biggies. Those yeah. ones that stick out in my mind. And the Mavericks, we used to drink... Lots of tequila on the Mavericks bus. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, Raul, the lead singer, who has a voice from God, can drink like no one I've ever seen in my life. Incredible. Yeah, anyway. So so that was act one. Speak that was to, act speak one. To Thank act you. Two. Yeah. Act two, I said, okay, I've already mastered radio. What do I want to do now? Um, well, oh, P.S., at the same time I was dabbling in television because I ended up getting a master's degree in television broadcast management. So I was producing for an international network and doing some local anchoring news and weather on the side. But then act two became, you know what? I love telling stories because radio is stories. I'm, I want to do, I want to do movies. And so uh, I didn't know anything about it. A couple of my pals uh, made little shorts. And I would just hang around and watch how it worked. And I tried my hand at writing the screenplay, made some shorts. And one day I said, I'm going to make a real movie. I, dude, I can talk all day long, so you got to jump in. Well, here. I was just thinking, when you started writing the screenplay, because so far at this point, into what we know here, you've been a talker. Yeah. When did writing come up? Were you writing the screenplay and be like, holy shit, I write pretty well? Well, I didn't know how to write a screenplay. So I was dabbling in short stories and just writing stories and just coming up with ideas out of nowhere. And then one day I said, well, can't be, but so hard. I'd already written my first book, which was Discovering Grace. So I said, I'll just turn that into a screenplay. 
So I bought books on screenplay writing, studied it, studied it, wrote it, rewrote it, rewrote it, rewrote it, sent it to people. They'd trip, tear it apart, send it back. I'd redo it until one day I said, you know what? There's only one way to really do this is I'm going to raise the money because nobody's going to take me on. I'm going to sure. raise the money. I'm going to cast it. I'll hire all the crew. I'll shoot it, direct it, produce it. I'll even star in it to save money. And that's where Chasing Grace came from. That's wow. Dude, extreme ownership, right? That's Jocko Willing. Like, nothing's getting done if you don't do it yourself. No, I love that you seem to be a guy that always embraces the new challenge. Yeah. You're like, hey, I got good at this, at this voice. How about I take my voice out of it and start writing? Uh, you know, I'm not good at it. Let's get good at it and create a screenplay. That's oh, and P.S., back to your point about voiceover, along the way, I was the voice of the Speed Channel on Fox. When NASCAR blew up in, what was that, 99, 2000, 2001, I was the voice of Speed Channel. So I was the voice that launched that network. And I did that for 10 years and the voice of Muzak for clients all around the globe. So, I mean, that was just my side hobby doing five, six figures a year. So, okay, hold on. So I'm just fascinated because... David, you're such a high performer in so many different facets. I mean, all, all kind of around uh, creative mm-hmm. fields or industries. So let, I want to dive into your process a little bit. Uh, first off, we got to know, are you a coffee, tea, or other guy? Coffee. Okay. I drink a... We're good. We can I, trust you. Yeah, I can probably drink an unconscious amount of coffee, and I can go off on that tangent, but I want to come <laughs> back to something, Neil, that you were talking about because you kept me on point is the third act is going, okay, radio, check. Television, film, check. Now I want to be the master of the domain because I realized in both of those genres, you don't have control. Radio, you're told everything to do. Film, you're told everything to do. The only place I could get autonomy and be the master of the domain, not Seinfeld's way, um, is to write the book. Oh, and P.S., if you don't want to buy it, this is, this is a self-publishing world now. Right. I'll self-pub it. Yeah. So, there's your point. Uh, coffee. Laird Hamilton? Yeah. You guys know Laird. Yeah, yeah, of course. Have you dived into, dove into his yummy goodness lately? Well, well, okay. What's he doing with coffee? Is it with the MCT oils? Is that the big thing? His magic is coconut creamer. Coconut, the sugar of coconut is the lowest glycemic. Okay. So he's taking coconut milk, freeze drying, freeze drying it. Yeah. And which is basically natural MCT oil, finding the very best bean possible, and then adding. Excuse me, this beer is bubbly. Yeah. Um, this green algae that his wife. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shout out to Gabby uh, yeah. Reese, huh? Boo! <laughs> <laughs> um, so I drink. I've now become a complete layered uh, fanatic, and yeah. I, and I'm I'm a I'm a I like French press. I like a pour over. I like it's got to be good bean. But when I got when I met Laird and or his products, I'm like, right. what do you are, do? You do a drip or a French press with Laird's? What is it? Is it like a his is all, What's you, it coming in? It's all automatic. You just put it in water, hot water, and boom. So it's instant. The okay. thing I like about that, which seems completely right, opposite, sure. is that 
you don't have to have any toys. You just got to have hot water. Yeah. We got to add this in like the show notes on our wow. yeah, yeah, our blog. Where do you buy that? Lairdfoods.com. You Laird. can check out my Twitter feed because I did a huge shout out to them, and then they bombarded me with thanks. And I think I got some maybe some goodies coming in the mail. Nice. Well, no, Laird's just on it right now, huh? He's basically he's doing everything in high performance living. As far as his certs, XP, XPT, yeah, XPT, um, his books and his surfing, right, and the products he's making surfing wise too, and apparently now in coffee. Yeah, we got to get Laird on the cast. Yeah, dude, Laird, you're next. We're coming. Did you? You got to do Google Laird Will Smith half marathon, and watch Will Smith's training by Laird in Hawaii in preparation for the mar- half marathon with only 30 days to prepare. Oh, really? That's okay. interesting for you because the big guy just ran his first. Yeah, didn't train hard enough. <laughs> what was your time? I got a one five six. It was respectable. Dude, that's uh, yeah. at your size, that's amazing. I, I, was, on, I was on tempo for mm, about a one forty five, which was a mistake. That's why I became an at 156. So the last three miles might have been, you know, a lot of walking because <laughs> I was smoked. Wow. So I ran too fast too soon, but I finished under two hours, but it wasn't pretty. What was the average hour or a minute per uh, mile? Came out to like an 845. <sighs> so I was moving. Uh, but, uh, it was, I know. 845 it was, is uh, totally good. Dude, that's, oh, thank you. That's insane. I'm just now cracked. Last year, I was trying to crack the 10 barrier. I just cracked the nine and a half. And last week, I did my first sub nine at four miles. Nice. At 60 years old, that's See, not yeah. bad. See, crashing. Th- well, that, that, that makes me feel good. And, that, and you should feel good off that. But know that while I was struggling at mile like 12 and a half, I was getting passed by people that were 65. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh. They're like, come on, if someone as young as me can do it, you could do it too. I was like, you're right, but I just, I can't move my legs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so it motivated me. I, I think I could do better, is, is my, my point. What's your weight? Uh, like 230-ish. And you're six, that's seven. Light, that's light for you too. Yeah, dude. That's... Yeah, I dropped some weight. But uh, I'm definitely one of the tallest people out there. Dude, so I, that, we were talking counts. last night. We played volleyball last night. And uh, I hang out with Neil so much, and he's six, seven. I, I'm like, I'm losing appreciation for his height. Like, I'll see other tall guys, and, and people are like, good God, you see how tall that guy is? I'm like, I don't know, 6'2", 6'3". They're like, he's like 6'6". Six, six. I'm like, yeah. I hang out with Neil too much. Yeah. <laughs> you start to become desensitized yeah. to height. You hang out with me at 6'3", and then you then I stand yeah. next to him at 6'7". Yeah. And you're like, I am a shrimp. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, so back on track. Sorry, we digress. Um, so let's. T- I want to talk about writing, because writing just fascinates me. I mean, I think we've all been there back in school. You got to write an essay and you're like, where the hell do I even start this thing? Right? So I'm curious, like when I got to sit down and, and we're preparing, say, questions for you, David, my best thinking comes in the morning. Mm-hmm. I go coffee. I sit down, uh, usually pre-breakfast. And that's when I can bang out some of my best thoughts. When do you dive in? I'm, my alarm goes off at five o'clock every day, and I am, if I'm not going to the gym, I'm sitting at my desk or standing, because I'm doing a standing desk now. Good for you. Yeah. I stand, I'm there at 5.25, 5.30, because the world is quiet. Yes. 
and too much monkey mind hits me at about 10. So I know that I got to sprint from about 6, 615, because I'm going to jack it up on Laird's, or I've got a little secret concoction I'll share with you. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, and it's all natural. Um, but you got to really, you got a blister between that and t and plus they're doing construction behind the house, so you you got noise, you got distractions, you got the phones, you got to, and so forth. Um, so I'm an early riser for sure. Conversely, I used to be a late guy, but you know Tammy and I are in bed by nine thirty. Absolutely. However, if Jim Beam had come to visit. Or my good friend, uh, you know, Nobby Rock or Jameson or um, uh, those fellas come, you know, knocking on my door and it's 10, 1030, then we'll pour one and sit back and get super jammy on the back end. There you go. So, but you can't do the back end and the front end. That's <laughs> so, hey, when you're, do you ever write on a, a say, a different stimula stimulant? Like there's caffeine, obviously. I, I feel like I'd be, I'm a better person on caffeine. But uh, creatively, do you find, like, if you pour a glass of gym and then sit down to write, does a different author come out? Yes. Yeah, it's so funny because the chemical process is going to, your body's going to handle a chemical process differently. The mind does too. Beer. Beer, uh, beer for me is just relaxing. It's been a busy day. I want to sit on the back porch, rub Dexter's ear, watch the sunset. Beer. Red wine, I want to sit down with my wife, have a glass of wine. Wine is a good way to write because it quiets the monkey mind. I'm not endorsing drinking to write, but I'm saying if you get stuck, a little glass of wine just to relax you and let things go is not bad. You get into hard liquor. Uh, I've done some really, really good stuff um, when doing some drink sprints with some old friends and um, scotch generally or gin because here's what it does. It tells the judge to go in the other room. The mm -hmm. judge is the hardest person in the room when you're trying to create and the judge sounds like this dude you kind of suck and you know why don't you just do something else or you don't think anybody's gonna like that do you that judge can go to hell <laughs> I love it but everybody's got one in See, some form or fashion. Okay, so that's that's fascinating. So the the idea of creative work in, in your in your situation, writing in any other situation could be anything else as far as creative work and, and, and what that entails. You do you have to stick to a system in order to get that done, or do you do it when you feel like it? Is it always on your brain if you're not doing it? That is such a great question. First of all, um, I want to take one step back. Caffeine is great because it's a natural stimulant. I mix that with L-theanine. Yeah. You put those together synergistically, it quiets your mind while increasing your energy. Yeah. But you got to do clean energy. Excuse me. Um, and that's why this particular Laird's coffee, uh, the, the fats counterbalance the caffeine and kind of give you a nice accelerated buzz without getting too janky. Sure, sure. Also, if you're into nootropics, which is yeah, body hacking, 
I'm a big fan of Siltep, C-I-L-T-E-P, which is basically uh, vitamin B6 mixed with uh, acetyl L-carnitine and uh, L-phenylalanine, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is also in... That one that can get a little tough on your heart if you do it too much, but I don't I don't overdo any of this, and I kind of cycle things. Well, no, I and I, I can't. I'm trying to remember. I, I believe the way the theanine breaks down is uh, converted into dopamine. Yeah, it, in your brain, it's a dopamine enhancer. Yeah, yeah. So you're, um, what's you know what's think of the best thing? Hey, I can't wait to go hit a bucket of balls with my pals. Sure. Oh, that oh that triggers that, you right. know, that feel-good thing. Back to your question. The best thing about discipline, I can tell you, and, and I had to learn this kind of the hard way, it's just discipline, dude. You gotta put your ass in the chair every single day. I don't wanna go to the gym, but you go to the gym because you know, if I'm gonna eat like this last night, we went to Rosati's for pizza, wings, and such, and beer, craft beer, but if I do that and I skip working out, well, you're behind the eight ball. That's a beautiful analogy. Yeah, to quote my second novel um, <laughs> for a plug, Carter Matheson. Thank you so much. Let's Available go. on Amazon now. Let's go. Um, <laughs> so it's sit down at the same time. You're going to go, what if you're not in the mood? I don't care. Tell yourself that the discipline is part of the equation and be ready. The muse can't show up if you're not present. Oh, will the teacher come over? Well, you weren't there, Dave. Oh, well. The muse can't show up if you're not present. Yeah. Okay, so kind of just like, we don't need to stay on the stimulus too long, but thinking about being present and putting your butt in the chair, do you try to stay in the same mindset throughout the course of a novel? Yeah. Uh, I have to because you, like my last seduction at daybreak, which will come out Memorial Day, is my first murder mystery. So I'm doing a couple things. I'm writing a murder mystery, having never done it before. I'm writing the protagonist as a woman, never done that before. Uh, I have a detective, so I have to know detective jargon and detective methodology, never done that before. And I'm gonna go balls out with the biggest book I possibly can, which ended up being 135,000 words, which is too big and period. So you gotta aim big and then trim it down. But how did, how, okay, so I wanna relate this back to coaches because I see this, this happens with coaches in all facets or portions of their career, whether you're new or old. Uh, you get a client that comes in with maybe a problem that you haven't seen before mm -hmm. or someone that you haven't necessarily worked with uh, that type of condition and so they go to research right so that they can prepare the best program and then I imagine like when you're writing you have to go do the same thing detective work like I mean where does it even start you start reading other detective novels yeah I knew for instance um, I used to live in Hollywood well I've lived in Hollywood three different times and one time I used to live uh, La Brea, Wilshire area, and I, I know where the Hollywood precinct was. So I always thought one day it would be cool to write about that precinct. For whatever reason. Cops are cool. Detectives are cool. 
Little did I know that as I started watching, watching Bosch, which is Michael Conley who wrote that, that the, he and I are using the exact same precinct. I didn't know until I was deep into my research. One day oh, I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, Hollywood Precinct, that's right there on Wilcox, just, that's where my story is. And then, I'm, I'm, by the way, that book took two years to write. I am nine months into this book. What does Michael Conley do with Bosch? He creates a woman detective to join him uh -huh. that's working the late shift. What's my character? A woman detective starting out on the late shift. So part of that is there are no original ideas. Part of that is you just got to do your research. But yeah. you, know, you, you guys can't teach me how to do a deadlift. Okay, no, okay. curious though. When you see that with Bosch, does that persuade you to do something different? Or do you say, I mean, it doesn't have to be an original idea just or characters. It just has to be done well. That's interesting. Yeah, I did beat myself up. When I heard that, I was, I was like, I'm going to yeah. throw it away. And then I'm like, no, because guess what? No newer ideas. There's other female detectives. It just happens to be in the same place. No, that, and that's I'm really happy to hear that because... I think coaches fall into that trap too. They're like, well, I don't want to do the same thing that everyone else does. You could do the same thing and you can coach it better. Or you could do the same thing and provide a different experience about how you, how you coach it or think about different cues to coach it. But we're all still coaching a deadlift. Exactly. You know what I mean? And look, look at it this way. Uh, I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Uh, or I'll just pick one of you because it'll get too complicated. Pick, uh, give me a first name of a person. Pull it out of thin air. Roger. Roger. What's his last name? Smith. Roger Smith. And he's a detective in Hollywood. Um, he works a third shift, by the way. Uh, give me one idiosyncrasy that he might have. The yeah. first one pops in your head. He, just a uh, His shoes always have to be clean. Okay, great. Now, <laughs> you can create that character, Roger Smith, uh, with, uh, he's a neatnik and he works in homicide. Well, if he's a nick-nick with his shoes, he's probably meticulous with his suit, or he's gonna, always, he's gonna always iron his slacks, right? His hair is always gonna be combed a certain way, right? Right there, the character starts coming alive, right there, Wow. you know? And he, come to find out, he likes third shift. You know why? It's quieter. I get my work done, I put a little baseball on the radio, and I get my job done. There's not as much traffic when I go out to investigate because all the traffic's during the daytime. It's cooler at night, so I can wear a sport coat and be okay with it. All of a sudden, all those layers start happening right there in front of your face. Same thing with coaching. That's good. That's, I, I definitely don't see writing like that. I can see how that works in coaching, though. Yeah, okay, but that, that segues into a question that I'm dying to ask you because... I'm fascinated when I read fiction about character development and in specific character dialogue. Yeah. How do you take the same brain and make these characters say different things that only that character would say? How do you make the dialogue seem natural? How do you make one person have a different, uh, different dialect than the others? How do you keep it for two years in writing this book? That's a great question yeah. too. Um, it's so funny, as I was coming up and I would start hanging out with writers, they'd go, oh man, I love writing, but the one thing I can't do, it's my worst, is dialogue. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's my favorite thing ever. 
And the reason being is a good writer is a good reader first or second and a good listener third. One of my favorite exercises, and this is great, I'll go to a mall, I'll be out to dinner. Tammy catches me doing this all the time. We'll be talking and I'll just kind of lean over and I'll listen to conversation and I'll listen <laughs> and I'll listen to the way they talk and the pattern. And you know, you don't write dialogue exactly the way people talk. Hey Bob, how was your day? Great, Roger. Thank you for asking. How about yours? It was pretty splendid. Let's go have dinner. People don't talk like that. It's more like, Kel, what's up? Good. How's your day? You know, what'd you do lately? Hit the links. Sweet. Done. Right there, there's a scene, right? Mm -hmm. So to your point, um, when you're creating this character and you're dressing them, and I mean, my character, um, Pat Norelli, I know what kind of car she drives. I know what she wears, why she wears it, what fragrance she wears, what she likes to eat. She's a gearhead. She loves cars. Why? She had a brother. Brother has it was a gearhead. She loves guns and knives. Why? His her dad and her brother were hunters, right? And so she likes to and she likes to drink. She likes to drink beer and wine, and she likes to hang out with the guys because she's funny. But she's also hot. Is yeah, she's hot. You need that. And. <laughs> That's really fascinating that you know that character without that character even being in existence. And hopefully, if you're reading her, you, you, you won't have to go, Pat said, I can just do dialogue. Like, I won't always do all those identifiers. Go ahead. That, no, that is fascinating when you read that. Like, at, at some point, I feel like when you're reading a book, it stops when it's, it says, she said, he said. Yeah, you don't want It wanna, goes away. Yeah. And you don't even notice it until you notice it. <laughs> you until know? you require, if a third person enters the room yes. or or you've gone too far that you're asking the, like if, if I'm talking and I go on a rant, but I don't go David said, and then Kellen interjects something, um, and then I go back and forth and I go too far down the page, I'm asking you to remember too much. So the reason those saids are, and you gotta plant them just right so that you go, Kellen said that. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. cool. So, <laughs> this is fascinating. So, you have this whole entire idea of a character in your head, this whole plot, this whole story. If you don't put this in writing, you're probably a crazy person. Like that's like a that's yeah. tough. That, yeah, right? <laughs> sure. That's like tough to to just have hanging out in your head. You you talk about uh, it was on your website. You said daydreams facilitate the stories. Yes. Do, where does this stuff come from? Does, does this pop out? Did this just? I. Um, I would say this for coaches and I would say this for writers, and I used this earlier, we all have a muse. You can call it a muse, you can call it a guardian angel, you can call it your higher self, you can call it your imagination, we all have it. What's a problem is we shut it down or we ignore it or we distract ourselves from it because we're afraid of something, which is why a lot of times, oh, if I just go play or I go drink, I'll, I'll do it later. You're running away from something, probably. Yeah, yeah. Or you just don't want to face it. Um, so I think it's, uh, as for where it comes from, I don't know. I, I knew early on, this is a great, tiny story. I was doing radio in Los Angeles. I'd already done major 
market morning shows, but I landed this, it's called satellite radio. It, you'll know it as iHeartRadio now, but it's basically generic radio that a guy walks in and he does a show, but he speaks generically and it airs in 10 time zones. I was on Westwood One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was Westwood One, Armed Forces Radio Network. So when I started an album rock in Los Angeles, I was in Afghanistan, the guys in Afghanistan would listen to my album rock show. Hey, play Led Zeppelin. So we had 800 lines so they could call in from anywhere in the world. My point is you, you have to speak to this audience, right? And you're always trying to find a way to speak in a language that they would get. However, at the same time, I got bored with that because you had to speak generically. You can't go, hey, it's 7.20, come on down to the, uh, you know, the downtown, we're gonna see a music festival and don't forget to pick up your pizza over on 4th Avenue. Well, you can't do that because I'm in 10 time zones. Right, right. My point is, I got so bored with that shit that I went, I went the other room back when we didn't have laptops and pulled in a typewriter and I started writing because I would, I would kind of have these stories that would float in my head. And I would just start banging out this guy named Kellen. He worked at a gym. Uh, he was really super handsome and super fit. And, Love uh, this. Yeah, great yeah, story. Yeah, you like that, don't yeah. you? And I would just start writing. And what I would do is, at that point, to your uh, question, Neil, is I went, oh, that's just coming out of nowhere. <laughs> why, why is that coming out of nowhere to me? And I put it on the back shelf because I didn't give myself permission to be good at it. I'm so afraid. What if no one likes it? I didn't even know I could do this. And no one will look at it. That was 93. I wrote one night a paragraph that started that book and didn't pick it back up again until 2016. That paragraph, though, yeah. is incredible. The opening scene. You got, Oh, fuck, you guys got to read that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he shared that with me, like, you know, a few weeks into knowing each other because he told me he's writing something, and, and he shared that. I'm like, oh, finish that book. That's intense. Yeah. So I, I hope that answered your question, but it's just amazing because, you know, like, you guys can endurance or strength, you guys can do things that I probably could eventually do. Uh, if I had started, if I had known what you know now, if I had started at your age, I would be a beast. But I was, other, I was out doing other things. I don't believe that I can't do some of your things, I just don't know that I can do it without hurting myself, <laughs> perhaps, or it's just going to take me longer kind of tripping out on the having permission to say be great or to give it your all to dive into a career because this is another thing that Neil and I've been talking a lot about say off air with confidence changing your arena and having permission to be the best so when you said that I just kind of I mean my ears perk up and I almost feel like sometimes you have to see it or have that aha moment before you give yourself permission to go capture whatever the hell it is that you want. I totally agree. I mean, so back to when I was a kid sitting on the floor watching my RCA television and turned to my parents and I said, that's what I wanna do and I'm gonna do it. It just was natural. Went to the first job and the guy says to me, Tony Bronzini, 
I can remember his name because he's a cocky guy from Jersey sitting there going, how can I give you a job? You got no experience. Well, I can't get any experience if you don't give me a job. Yeah, but I don't even know you're good. You'll know good when I get in there and do it. And I don't know anything. I'm just being confident. He goes, no, no, you go get some experience and then come back. You are the experience. Give me a chance here. Just give me the worst show possible. And if I suck after a week, fire me. I'll walk away never bother you. Walked in. Took me about three days to acclimate. Did it. And he goes, okay. $1.35 an hour. I think oh, it was goodness. First time. Yeah. And that's how it starts. But it's that confidence. And it's giving myself permission to go, dude, you got this. Did, let me ask, did you do a little bit of legwork prior to that? Oh, sure. I mean, I had to. I was always listening to radio guys and going, how do they do that? They're, t they're talking right up to the post of the music. How do you do that? I'll play a piece of music. And, oh, hey, it's 7.20, 20 minutes after 7 o'clock. Uh, here's the Eagles. Oh, good. I made it in time for the post, right? I just <laughs> did it and did it and did it and did it. Good, good. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's great. I mean, so you studied your craft, gained confidence. Mm -hmm. And then practiced and it, and then got it. good and mastered it. If you do the work, you it know, will come. if you build, if you build it, they will come. To reference, um, yeah, Field of dreams. dreams, the movie that someone else in the room hasn't seen it's yet. Unbelievable. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay, what comes first, the plot or the characters? Characters. Yeah. I don't know why, because I love the dialogue. I love creating. I get so much joy out of creating. Like the minute I threw you on the bubble there saying what's the first and last name, yeah. I could go right now and I could sit down and only because I practice it, like you guys is coaching, I could sit down and create his name, where he's from, his family lineage. That's what, okay, so uh, there, you just, thank you for doing that. So we have systems to program. Right, and if you come to the Coachability Workshop, we teach you how to program very effectively, very efficiently. Like you can write up two and three day programs within five minutes following the system. Right now, if Neil said create a character, I'd say I'll see you in two weeks. And you just did it in about two minutes or less, right? With like you said, uh, give me a mannerism or whatever. Yep. And then you started building out. You have like a mental process that's creating that character. That's a really good point. Yeah, and and because when you were doing that, I was just fascinated. I was like, "Tell me more about this guy." Mm -hmm. And I have no idea how to build a character, but I could write the hell out of a program, right? Because I've built the system and I've had the repetition with it. Repetition, practice. Yeah, it, homework. You, you've become a master at it, so now it becomes somewhat of a second nature thing to you. Built-in system. At first, you're overwhelmed. Just sit down like Kel's talking about the program. And you sit down and go, how the hell am I going to take this person from point A to point B? There's so many ways to do it, just like you. you how, this character could do so many things in the world. Nope, one at a time. This, then that, then this, then that. People talk about what happens when you get writer's block. And I will tell you that if you will shut the hell up and sit down and be <laughs> quiet. Let me give you this. And I have to do this now. I turn my phone off. I don't just turn it quiet. I turn it off and put it in the other room. I do not uh, have a TV on when I write. I'm almost hardly ever listening to music anymore unless I'm writing an action thriller and then I tend to re listen to Born Identity kind of uh, soundtracks. And I turn social media off. 
and I'll say to myself, okay, um, I'm going to need a dopamine hit in about two hours, so I'll go ha check my email in two hours. Hey, did anybody write me? Anybody follow my Twitter feed? Oh. <laughs> right? But then I'll get back out of it. But it's, it, it just goes back to discipline, dude. If you want to run a half marathon, if you want to teach me how to run a half marathon, you're going to tell me, well, dude, you're going to need to work on lung power, legs, cadence, and uh, let's face it, the more you do something, if you'll put in the time, your body will acclimate accordingly. Tammy and I are training for uh, a, a half marathon, and I've, I'm starting to realize that, oh, just doing it every other day, your muscle just go, oh, that was a problem six months ago. It's not a problem anymore. Beautiful. You look at the big picture. You go, oh, gosh, I got to run every other day for six months. That's intimidating. Oh, gosh, I got to write a, what did you say, how, how many words in your novel? That sounds intimidating. But one word at a time, one day at a time is the process, right? Yeah. Uh, Stephen King says um, he shoots for 50, uh, 10 pages a day. That's about 2,000 words a day. That's a that's a pretty good. You should any any writer should be able to do two thousand words. That's in my world. That's about two three chapters. Mm -hmm. I aim for three thousand words a day. My new goal on my next book is going to be five thousand words a day. Which that's you got to really get in the zone and it's discipline. You just got to say I got to shut everything else down. I can't sit around and goof off. It's a full time. I'm doing this full time. You know. See, Man, so many folks, and I'd say especially in our field, because we have a lot of younger guys and girls in our field, and we don't completely shut everything else off to be the best we can at training. You know, and, that, and that's what it's going to take. Like, if you're out there, I mean, we're going to talk about this tomorrow, Neil, but when you've got one foot in, one foot out, and you're just like, yeah, you know, 50 is okay. No, it's not okay not to call it a career. Not to become like, it, not to actually master your craft, and you're probably not going to see the fruits of your labor pay off too if you're just half in, half out. That's a really good point, and um, and I think you'll appreciate this having heard my life story. I have to master everything. I almost have to. I can't just be. I can't half-ass something. You do it. Did ask a ton of questions when we were training. Yeah, which I appreciated. Well. If if I'm going if I'm fat or I'm lazy, then I know okay. Well, then you're probably just a slacker. Um, but if I'm going to do something, I'm gonna I want to be the best at it I possibly can. Like if I wanted to be a coach, you can be damn sure I'm going to study the best coaches possible. Fortunately, I lived in the same vicinity of Coach K, and Coach K was on my show once. And he's probably one of my all-time... Duke coach, K. Yes. Yes. Chris... Chuck, yeah, yeah. Okay. And there's two things I will never forget uh, about him. And I had him for about an hour on the show. One is he listens to everything you say. Anybody interrupts him? Interrupts the conversation? Excuse me one second. David was talking. And he's right there with you. So strong. The way he listens, he makes you feel like, oh my God, I'm the most important person in this conversation right now. Number one, never forget that. Number two, practice. Practice, 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 practice. That's his, that's his whole thing. Coach K, how'd you get there? Practice. 
How'd you, how'd you get the teams like that? Practice. How did they become the best? Practice. How were you the best coach? Practice. How'd you write that bestseller? Practice. That's all it was. Because if you continue to practice it, isn't it some of the most impressive people? They they strip their accomplishments down to simple things like that. You know, do, like I mean, I think John Wooden, who's our guy, right? It's doing the the little things savagely well, just constantly. Um, you asked a question that I wanted to make sure I went back to. You were asking me. Was it writer's block? Yes. Was it sitting down. Oh oh oh. What do you do when you get writer's block? Everybody asks me that question. Dave, do you ever get writer's block? Well, of course you do. Jim Beam. No. My number no. <laughs> one thing is uh, I get up and I walk away. Because if you stare at a blank page, you're... Now, it's going to sound contradictory because I said discipline. you got to sit down. Sit down. But writer's block... I don't know. Some people go, I sit down to a blank page and I get writer's block. No, that's fear. I call bullshit. You get into a scene, hey, and then this happened. Oh, fuck, what happens next? I must have writer's block. Oh, my God. Maybe I should go mow the lawn. No, no, that's a chicken shit mode. You're just, you're quitting. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, writer's block. Uh, he's going to get a gun? I'm not good at this. No, 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 that's not writer's block. You solve it by getting up and walking away. Say to yourself, I'm just gonna walk around the compound, I'm gonna take a little walk, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go call the wife to check in, how you doing? Change the scenery, just mix it up. I'm a big fan of take the dog for a walk, get the blood flowing, take a little sprint, just run down the block and back. Endorphins will kick in. Take a shower if you haven't showered for the day. You know, a lot of people write all day long. Sure. Water, nitrogen, uh, negative ions facilitate brain activity, which is why you get great ideas in the shower. Negative ions. Yeah. Fast. Okay, we learned something today, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, so mix it up. Don't. And here's the other thing. Don't beat yourself up. That's where that's where people get fucked up. Yeah. Uh, I've got this. I'm gonna beat myself. No. Go. Hey. You We're know looking what? for an excuse, right? You know, you didn't get enough sleep last night, Dave. Take it easy on yourself. Give yourself permission to go take a breather and come back. And if on the second or third time you still can't get it, call it a day. Do you ever have days where you just, you, you monkey brain for 3,000 words and you're like, well, got that out of my system? <laughs> no. No, just me? Okay. <laughs> uh, my monkey brain, um, you know, I learned... Doing morning shows, I have to get. I had to get up at three thirty to do the to be at the show by four thirty five o'clock. So I learned. I had to train myself to go to sleep at the end of it. I had to. You just have to because you you can't sit there and monkey mind it. So to this day, I don't I don't lay down unless I am intending to go to sleep, which is why I can micro nap at fifteen minute intervals every single day at three o'clock. I'll get this little feeling like this, and I'll go, that's my body saying, you gotta crash. I'll go lay down, set my clock, three o'clock. Wake up at 3.15. And at 3.14.59, I'll wake up. I'm jealous of that, I need that skill. You can train yourself to do it. Practice, practice, practice. practice. You just practice it. Okay, hey, so we gotta know, man. What are some of your favorite, well, 
let's not say that. Book recommendations. You know we've got an audience full of coaches out there and just people looking to learn. So if from one author to a reader, what are some book recommendations? All right. Do you mind that I brought some props? No. And I'm going to have to wrap it because the wife uh, is done with her session. I'm go but I'm going to show you this. These are a couple of my favorites. I did not bring The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, which I recommended to Neil. Great book. And, dude, if you read that once a year and you take uh, a week per chapter, it takes you about seven minutes to read it but and just meditate on it, for lack of a better term. One of my all-time favorites. It comes in a much bigger size than this. The Four Agreements. <laughs> this book's like four inches big. Uh, real quick. Be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. And always do your best. That's that's part of uh, John Wooden's creed. Yeah, that's that's strong. that his father gave him. At Don like Miguel years Ruiz. You master those four, your life will change. The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. The war. Oh, not the art of war. The right. War of Art. Um, there's tons in here, um, but I'm going to read one quick thing for you. Can I keep going? Mm -hmm. Yeah, please. A professional acts in the face of fear. Remember what I'm talking about earlier? The amateur believes he must first overcome his fear, then, then he can do his work. The professional knows that fear can never be overcome. He knows there is no such thing as a fearless warrior or a dread-free artist. What Henry Fonda does, I love this, after puking into the toilet in his dressing room, he cleans up and marches out on stage. He's still terrified, but he forces himself forward in spite of his terror. He knows that once he gets out into the action, his fear will recede and he'll be okay. Oh, wow. All right. Keep going. Here's a real quick aside. Uh, crowds don't bother me. They never have. I can stand in front of 10 people or 10,000. It doesn't matter. Um, and it, you give me 15 minutes of prep, I'll be okay. One day I got wacky. I knew I was going to introduce Reba McIntyre on the stage. It's a big name. Yeah, Radio City Music Hall. Have you ever seen Radio City Music? No, I, I haven't. I just hear tremendous things. Well, it's six or seven or eight tiers. It's five, ten thousand people. And I remember standing in the wings going, wow, I could really piss myself. <laughs> and then I went, it's just another room. It's just a bunch of people. She's just a mega star. We all do the same things the same way. Sure. What's the worst thing that can happen? I can trip, I'm gonna fall, okay, yeah. But you know what? They want, the audience wants me to win. As a coach, your pupil wants you to win, wants themselves to win, and wants to learn what you're gonna teach them. So if you will just change the paradigm, shift the paradigm a little bit by going, I got this. I give myself permission. What's the worst thing that can I'm going to trip? So I get up and I make fun of myself. And everyone's going to go, oh my God, that would have petrified me. He's cool. Yeah, it's true. Okay. It's true. That's a great reminder. I yeah. like the way you worded that. All right, so just real quick, there's three more books. Um, Stephen King on writing. It's a memoir of the craft. And he just basically, his biggest thing is... 
his people go, what's your secret sauce? What's your magic? He goes, a serene atmosphere and staying married. <laughs> he goes, it's just great. He goes, the combination of a healthy body and a stable relationship with a self-reliant woman who takes zero shit from me uh, makes my working life possible. There's the book, but you got to read that one. The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. This is up there with Deepak Chopra. This is some heavy, heavy Shiite. I mean, you got to read this. He's one of my favorite. I'm a big, big fan of being in the moment. Um, waiting is a state of mind. Be, don't wait, just be present. Um, I could go on and on. But when you honor, acknowledge, and fully accept your present reality, where you are, who you are, and what you're doing right now, when you fully accept what you have got, you are grateful for what you have got, grateful for what is, and grateful for being, because gratitude is all about the present moment. Dude, I can't, if, if there's one thing I've learned in my years, it's being present. And last, Gary Vee had a book, uh, Now is the Time to Crush It. Mind changing, Gary Vee's. <laughs> I love it. All right, David Temple. Hey, when can we find your books? Uh, books, uh, davetemple.com. Okay, davetemple.com, you can find the books. Books, they're on Amazon, but go just simply davetemple.com and you can go find them on Amazon. Barnes and Noble and all that stuff. Okay, davetemple.com, guys. Check them out there. We send off our audience with a song of the day. Beautiful. So what is yours? My song of the day? Oh, uh, uh, Hotel California was the first one that popped into yeah, my sure. head. Beautiful. Eagles. Let's just, go. Just love it. Very nice. Thanks for coming on. Thank, Thank you, you guys so much. Hey team, if you like today's podcast, find more in all of our content at coachability.fit. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, whether it's with questions, concerns, feedback, or suggestions for future podcasts, contact us at coachability.fit at gmail.com, coachability.fit at gmail.com. And as always, stay coachable. Mm-hmm.